Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Racing Lives. My name's Aurélie, Aurélie Donzelot. And in this podcast, I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today began her motorsport journey in a very public way as one of Bridgestone's e-reporters in 2008 and has gone from strength to strength ever since. With stints working with agencies, Formula One and endurance teams, as well as drivers, she's collected a wealth of experience throughout the sport before cleverly identifying a gap in the market and launching her very own production house, specialising in social media content. In just two years, she's grown her client list and her services to cover a wealth of ideas in content creation, and it's been a pleasure to watch her succeed. I've had the rare privilege of witnessing her career blossom every step of the way from debuting reporter back in 2008 to fully-fledged entrepreneur in 2020. My guest today is my friend, the brilliant Tabitha Volz-Hailing. Uh, oh my God, you make me sound like something really serious. <laughs> Like I've done something, oh my God, it's really well written, but it's like too much. Well, you know, I, I don't like talking about myself. So so today's um, going to be loads of fun then, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I'm already like sweating. <laughs> well, tell me, Tabitha, let's start, let's start at the beginning where it's probably the easiest. When and where did your racing life actually begin? When and where? Okay, we need to go back quite a bit and... It's a strange story. So it's like, um, so my mom's English, but I've always lived in Spain. So in the summer, my grandmother used to come over to Barcelona for the summer. And it was like a big three months. Usually she used to come. And I always remember on Sunday lunch times, we couldn't have lunch until granny had finished watching whatever was what she was watching on TV. And I was like, come on, I'm hungry. Like what? Until one day I said, okay, let's go and see. What is this? That doesn't let us have lunch until it's finished because granny's watching TV. Let's go and see. And it was F1 races. You used to always watch every single race. And that's how I started watching races with her every Sunday. Wow. I used to join her. And then when she used to go back to the UK, every Sunday I would phone her straight away after the race, well, before the race and after the race. And that's how I just uh, got in and started following F1 and also motorsport in general. So it was your grandmother? <laughs> it was my grandmother, yeah. That's amazing. And what do you know what got her into motorsport? Why was she watching it? Not that she shouldn't have been watching it, <laughs> but it's unusual. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But she used to watch a lot of sport because like, uh, she uh, spent a lot of time at home in front of the TV. So I just think she liked anything live. So she always loved football, but then she just loved watching any type of sport. And when she came to us in the summer, it was always... <laughs> Always was lunchtime, granny's watching TV, let's wait for her. And it was F1, I don't know. It's a strange story. but That's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is that, so do you think that's your earliest memory of motorsport? Your gran, your gran watching it when you were waiting yeah. for your dinner? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, then after that, I started doing my own things. Like I opened my blog, I started 
searching for for other other things from I, I used to watch things on my own then from there I went to I lived like 20 minutes away from the circuit I started thinking well why can't I go and watch it live like there was so much more testing and things going on not only F1 also other racing car yeah. series and stuff so I used to yeah start saying okay why only on tv let's go and see what this is for real and then instead of going to school I'd go to the track without saying it to anyone <laughs> and yeah spend afternoons at the track watching and in those days you didn't need a ticket to get in it was just you know you could just walk around so I just remember spending hours just sitting there <laughs> behind the fence just watching cars or whatever there was there go around and I don't know it's a bit of a strange thing and that's how I got interest I mean I've always loved any kind of sport and yeah and that so but just I don't know motorsport just has that extra I don't ask me what but that's how <laughs> I started to get into it and then started writing blogs and then trying to find, I don't know, to interview people and do my own little stories. And then at the same time, when I started studying, I knew I wanted to get into that world. And then I started thinking, okay, what's a way to get in? I studied journalism, always with like sports and stuff, but like trying to, at the same time, keep in contact with people from that world and, I don't know, do my own but what loads of people watch motorsport when they're growing up right you know I mean mm. actually none, no one in my family watched motorsport just my uncle so now I blame him okay. but <laughs> but what do you think it was that stopped you like you weren't just watching it to enjoy it on your Sunday afternoon you were watching it because you wanted to be in it what do you think you know when did that happen what do you think why do you think that happened yeah I've thought about it quite a lot like now like I don't think then I don't really remember thinking okay I need to do this to get in not not in that way like I'm only doing it because I want to be there it's just a world I think that attracts you because from the outside when you're not in it's all very different to what you see every day yeah you, you can play football at home you can play tennis you can play basketball it's more a day-to-day -day thing but motorsports and everything that's behind and like driving the car fast that you can't do on normal roads and you can only see it there and then the figure of the driver and then everything I don't know it's just a world that was so far away that I had never seen before because my dad's a sports journalist so I had already you know it was normal for me to see all the other sports this was a sport that like I had like sort of discovered myself it hadn't okay yeah my grandmother watched it but it wasn't something like I'd go with my dad to watch football to watch so many other sports this was something that I had discovered and I was doing on my own I think that that maybe was the first step to say, oh, look, this is really mine. And then yeah. when you start seeing things and you start going more into it, I don't know, I think it just attracted me more and more. And then to start writing about it, like not many of my friends followed it either. So it was like a new world that I could explain to people things that they didn't know and like, you know, follow something that was not the usual thing. Yeah. So I think that made me want to just go and see more and more what it was all about yeah like an adventure yeah <laughs> you know you actively pursued getting in that sport but do you think do you think on some level it came to find you as well do you think you chose motorsport or do you think it chose you good question I think 100% I chose it and I'm very like when I choose something and I just go for it like not competitive, but like when I want something, I really want to try and go for it type thing. So yeah. 100% it was me. But then at the same time, in a world like motorsport, if you really want to get in it, I think you need to be in the right place at the right time, know the right people. I don't know. It's a bit of not luck, but you really need that factor that doesn't depend about, you know, of you. You need to just, um, I don't how can I say it? It's almost that, like you need the stars to align, but... It's not just the stars. Yeah. Like, yeah. for example, if you want to be, I don't know, uh, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, if you want, you can study, study, study. And in the end, you get into that world. You can be good at it, bad at it. But in the end, you can get in. There is a way. When I started and I wanted to get into a world, there wasn't a, like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to study. This is, you know. So in a way, yeah, I try, I've tried to find my own way. But you need people to help you. You, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and you know that you're going to get there. It's a bit... So in a way, yeah, I chose it, but I, there's loads of people that have helped me along the way, loads. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, one of the things that I, I actually genuinely remember was you getting the Bridgestone e-reporter. You're in. 
I know, but I actually remember it. It oh made me God. laugh, you know, because it wasn't, you know, you weren't the only one. There was other, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was other people, but I remember you. And it's so funny because Clarice, one of your colleagues at Renault, she was like my tutor at Bridgestone. And I had to send my, all the stuff had to go through her. She used to tell me where to go. And, there, and I used to look up, oh my God, you have a lovely job, you know. <laughs> it's funny that now, like, I can, like, we work together, you know, more or less. It's, yeah. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe you remember. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's not though. But do you think? I mean, do you think that was the break? Because obviously, it was very visible, um, and it did actually make you meet lots of people within the paddock, and it made people very aware of your name. Because actually, when you're in the paddock and something like that happens, okay, loads of things happens in the paddock. But actually, you do take notice of those things, especially if you're already a comms person or a reporter mm. or a journalist. You take note of things like that happening. So, do you think that was? one of the key steps or actually do you think it was something else did it happen before did it happen after no I think so it was a break for both me like both ways like me because I finally saw what that world was like during a, re a real race weekend inside uh, an F1 paddock I had never been before I'd been like a fan around the, the grand in a grandstand but I had never actually been in the paddock I'd never actually seen how people work how that world actually is And Bridgestone, what they did, like, during a whole weekend, they just opened the doors. And you're just in there. You can run around. You can speak to whoever. So it's also up to you how far you want to go. You can run around. You can talk to people. You can just sit down and watch. You don't need, you know. And I was like, okay, this is my chance. Like, I'm in the F1 paddock. I'm in the GP2 paddock. Or GP2, GP3. You can, in GP2, you could just walk up to any driver, ask whatever yeah. you wanted. You could think of whatever you wanted to, to write about. So, I, yeah, for me, that weekend just opened my eyes and I said, okay, wow, like, just wow, this is, this is, I want to be here. And then, of course, what I was saying before, you get to know so many people, you talk to so many people, and as what you say, they remember you, they know, they can see that you really, you're not just there because someone has given it to you as a present, you're really working for it, you're really fighting for it. So I think people, people see that. And yeah. then me, like... Once I, I get to know these people, I, I, I remember I'm not losing contact every, every now and then, just write an email, just, just let them remember you, you still exist, you're still there. So it's all about who you know and that they remember you. So, yeah, that weekend really, really, really helped me to get to know more people. And in the end, okay, it's a, it's a small world, it's a closed world, but once they know you, you're like, you've got your foot in there, you know? And I think that, that really helped me. It's that weird thing, isn't it? It's really, really tough to get in. But as soon as you're in, it's a massive family and you're yeah. looked after and everybody remembers everybody, good and bad. If you mess up, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. something else. Yeah, 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 no, true, good and bad. But yeah, thankfully for me, it's been good, good and bad, fingers crossed. <laughs> but I try to keep it like that. <laughs> and um, you've actually, you've been in motorsport a short amount of time is what I want to say. But actually, you've been in motorsport a long time. But when we look at how long our careers, hopefully, are crossing my fingers here, are going to be, you know, we've still got a long road ahead but you've done a lot because you've actually worked as a reporter you've worked as a press officer with different formula one teams you've got some experience with WEC as well mm -hmm. um endurance and stuff like that you've worked with agencies which always means that you get lots of experience in lots of different areas of motorsport anyway and now you're setting up your own company and your produ your producer director a camera person <laughs> everything but so it's it's i can't speak to you as though you've had one job your entire career, because actually you've done lots of different things. And one of the things that I want to ask about what you've done and what you do now is, are there any misconceptions? You know, what do people, because again, it's that thing of inside and outside. So what do people think of when they see your work from the outside compared to what you think, you know, on the inside, what, what's the biggest thing they get wrong? Out of all the jobs you've just mentioned, The thing that, that's always happened in any job of those, because you're in motorsport, is having not much time. And you're away and you're traveling. And people just, like, think, oh, yeah, she's seeing the world and it's an amazing job. Whichever the job is, what it entails is always being away. And from the outside, like, I left home Barcelona when I was 23. Yeah. And, and then lost contact with many friends. And, and many of my family, just because I was doing this job, which takes away a lot of your, your time. But people from, from the outside, and it's normal that they think that, is like, oh, yeah, but she's having a great time. 
It's, uh, you know, traveling the world, seeing the world, then if one, it's all parties. And, oh, my God, it's not. <laughs> like, I've had, I've had terrible, terrible times from, I mean, terrible times. You fight for it, and then when you really, you get there. But then, for example, I've worked in teams where there's been problems, like financial problems, where you didn't even know if you were going to the next race. And when you got to the next race, you didn't even know what was going on, if you were going to go to the track. And if the car left the garage, it was like, oh, my God, we've won. You know what I mean? So, and all that, going through all that weekend after weekend, yes, okay, you're, you're traveling the world, but you don't even get to see lots of times where you're going. Like Australia, I've been, I don't know how many times, all I've ever seen is Albert Park and one restaurant and the airport. But your friends think, oh, no. So, for me, the biggest thing is is explaining this. And then when you try and explain it, they look at you like, oh, no, you're just trying to, you know, you don't want to show off type thing. And it's not like that, but it's very difficult to make people understand that it's not all as brilliant as what it can maybe, you know. Oh, it's a real job with yeah. with the good bits and the bad bits. But yeah. yeah, I think I think the 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 perception normally is that there's lots and lots of good bits and not so many bad bits. And it's yeah. it's probably the other way around. It's <laughs> it's hard work, it's long hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. like in any other type of job, but just the fact that you traveling and like going around and, and seeing the world makes people think that you're just having a great time having a holiday yeah yeah definitely not the case another thing that I love about motorsport is how competitive it is and I know you're a very very competitive person <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe a bit yeah. <laughs> well I think you're a very sport person sports yeah. orientated person and you've definitely embraced the competitive spirit yeah like you play if you play you play to win well you play to win <laughs> definitely <laughs> but actually the question I want to ask you is about success because you are so competitive and you want to do well and you I find that we compete on every aspect in motorsport who has the who has the better motorhome who has the better communication who has the better car of course who has the who better drivers first. who tweets first that's <laughs> such a true that's so true it's so true <laughs> Or first team to send out a press release. Oh, always. That's tough, though. Even <laughs> oh, if you write two lines, <laughs> maybe you can't do it. <laughs> what about in your world, you know, at the moment now that you have set up on your own and you've left the team environment, mm. how do you actually define success for yourself and how do you live that sort of competitive edge to motorsport? Yeah, it's a good question. I do miss the side, that side of being part of a team because now just me on my own, okay, yeah, I work with teams, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not part of it like I was before. But now for me, success is more about, I love when I like think of an idea, I take it to someone, to a team, they like it, we decide to do it, we actually do it and it works out well, and it's, and it's out, oh, my God. When you finally see that video and you go back to thinking, oh, my God, that was just an idea that I had one day when I was going shopping, you know, and to actually put it together. Now, for me, that is success, and I want to do more and more of that because I feel I haven't done enough of that, of that type of thing yet. Have you got a favorite thing? It doesn't have to be with my team, but have you got <laughs> a favorite thing that you've done so far? Yeah, I think I'm not saying it because it's your team, but you know, like I think the two two videos we did back in La Monza banking video, which was something I had wanted to do a long, long time. I know it's a really simple thing, but to actually, you know, get to do it, the climbing the banking with your drivers and then the Abu Dhabi water park videos, those, yeah. those are my two favorite ones. For the benefit of the seven people that will listen who are all relating to us. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> That was actually um, when we had Carlos and Nico and we asked them in Monza, we asked them to go very simple, didn't we? We actually asked them to climb the old banking and see if they could get all the way up and all the way down. Yeah, and it's more we, difficult than what it seems. Yeah, it's so much steeper. Well, I tried to do it and I was a you, you, you were yeah, much better. You got Nico to laugh at you. Yeah, that's well. I, I was, I was the, uh, I was the clown in the corner to make sure that they they were happy and exactly. laughing at something, yeah. just to make sure we had their reaction. Yeah. But I delivered. And then the other one is when we got our revenge and we made them do the slide at the Abu Dhabi water park world water yeah. park yeah. um next to the circuit and we put them in yellow uh <laughs> shorts yeah. swimming shorts and we made them slide down. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Really, really. We good. didn't get to do it though. We need to go back and do it you can you can I mean, do it I I, there's no I way I'm it, doing it yeah it no I'd be so scared 
Oh, come on. Well, no I've, got, I've got time to convince you. I'm reading my next question, which actually is one of my favorite things that I want to ask. Have you got a moment, a specific moment, when you realized that motorsport was not glamorous at all? Wow. Uh, yeah. Ah, okay. Another, another moment where F1 is not glamorous is when on Sundays everything's being packed down but there's still stuff going on the race is finished and then when it finishes you still need to write a press release you still need to run around you still need to work and also you still need to eat <laughs> and lots of times by the time you finish actually working and you say okay let's eat before going to the airport everything's disappeared there's no food and all you can find is just some sort of stuff or if you're lucky one of the catering girls has kept you something and you're there standing in the middle of every, of nowhere but still in the track trying to eat a plate of maybe cold pasta while you're rushing, getting everything finished because, you know, you need to get to the airport on a, on a, like a paper plate. And so many times I've even dropped that on myself. So I go to the airport with a stained T-shirt. Yeah, it's not the best of times. That. <laughs> I can so relate. Yeah. And you literally, you're still trying to, you know, finish the work, do the press release, everything that has to be done on the center night. And you look up from your desk and the, the office that was around you... Yes. <laughs> isn't there anymore it doesn't exist <laughs> oh my god yeah that's true also yeah sometimes you think oh it's just getting cold in here someone must have opened the door and you look up and like you're just in the middle outside like there's no more walls it's just yeah. you <laughs> how do you balance your work with the rest of your life and how do you manage your family and your friends expectation when you work in motorsport if you ask me this like three four five years ago i'd say it's really really hard and like, uh, like I know it's part of being part of my life. Like I've missed birthdays, I've missed um, weddings, I've missed so many things because you just don't have time. And when you do have the time, you're at home getting ready. I don't know because the thing is, not only I was going to races, but I lived um, away from home. Like I was in the UK and I've been in Italy, so it's not that when I'm at home, I'm really home. I'm still away. So like for years and years. I've missed out on things. I've not only missed out on things, then there's your friends that in the end, they just say, oh, but she'll be away anyway. So they stop even asking you things. They stop inviting you. So it was difficult, difficult. And then my own time, like you get back and you're tired and you don't want to, you don't want to do things that you should be doing maybe. So that that's one of the reasons why I decided to like stop going to all the races, stop doing what I was doing because it was just taking my life away, I, I think. At least now I have more of a life. Like I started um, doing tennis lessons, which is up to a normal person. You say, yeah, I've started taking And they look at you and like, yeah, and? Yeah, it's something I wanted to do for the last 20 years. I've never, never been, you know, never done it. Or like, I don't know, go to the cinema. Things that now I've got more time because now I don't need to go to all the races. More, I can like do less. I can choose target races where I know I'm going to do something and then not go to all of them so so yeah now it's much easier to like balance this work and life thing but before my life was work full stop <laughs> you're either you're either away full stop or you're recovering mm, no also my family used to they didn't understand like oh but this this weekend there's no race why don't you come to Barcelona for the weekend the last thing you want to do is go to an airport get on a plane just for like a weekend and then get on a plane back and then have to do washing machines and then two days later you're going and getting away so no no I prefer to stay home it's not an easy answer to give to your mum every single two weeks you know yeah that's it it wasn't a case of just getting in the car and driving for you know let's say an hour to get to your mum and dad's house it's they're in a different country yeah so it's all that airplane and airport and thing again which you do of course you do every now and then but it's not something you want to do every weekend you have a free weekend yeah, of course. How did you keep in touch with them? Is it lots of phone calls or were you yeah. FaceTiming? Or? Yeah, mostly phone calls because I don't really like the face thing. And <laughs> 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 um, yeah, lots of WhatsApp. And yeah, mostly with my mum was phone calls, but then we've got a, a, a family group chat. So that's easier because also with times, difference and everything, it's easier to just, you just write and when you know you can answer, you can answer. Uh, that yeah. worked, worked quite well. Have you got something that you're especially proud of or a part of what you've done that you absolutely love that only motorsport can bring? I don't know if it's more motorsport or in the sport world, but something that in motorsport you can get really close to 
in our type of job is like the the driver or like in football it would be the footballer but in this case the driver is a person like you get to know them like not only the driver that drives the car you get to know them as the person outside of the car and you get to you get to have a relationship with these these I call them crazy guys that get in a car and risk the car and risk their lives going round and round in circles but you get to know them as a person and I think that is very very valuable as in you know you see the races and you can watch from the outside but then you know what they're going through you know how they think you know how they react and I think that's something very special that that motorsport has given me is getting close to to the drivers and getting to know their way of thinking their way of of acting and being just close to them I'm nodding you can't see me but (laughs) (laughs) that's such a good thing to bring forward because it's a massive privilege actually when you think of high performance athletes as one of my drivers like to call himself um, (laughs) actually to be allowed by them and by your job to be that close to them because we're with them all the time we see them just before just after we don't talk to them during we let someone else do that but (laughs) we're never far away (laughs) and we we hear all their radio communication so we're with them every step of the way and to be allowed to observe them and understand them Mm. But also, like, yeah, when you see, I don't know, you see the bad moments, you, the good moments, yeah, you you love to be part of that. But the bad moments, how they get themselves back up, it's not easy to have done a, a very bad qualifying and then get in that car again and you've got to do a good race. And you just see how they, how I don't know, for me it's fasc- fascinating and I don't think yeah. I'd be able to to do that. I'd just get so angry. I wouldn't be able to get back into that, <laughs> that okay, I can do it more. I don't know. It's, for me, it's a really fascinating fascinating. I don't know that many athletes who have their work analyzed mm. to the level so quickly. They're in the car, they do practice or qualifying or the race, actually. Every single thing that they do in the car, we can see with data. Mm. And straight after the race, straight after qualifying, they all go in a room and they're looking at the data, they're looking at screens and they're analyzing every single little thing that they did. And as a driver, you have to be okay with being criticized and having all everything that you do looked at immediately. You don't even have that long to get over what you've done. You're then immediately in a room with your teammates and you've got to analyze and, and see what you did good and what you could yeah. do better and yeah not only them then you've got the journalist outside waiting at the door that knows already the information is ready to ask that question that you don't want to hear I mean or that you don't want to hear depends on the case I mean I'm not saying it's always bad but it's a difficult thing I mean not everyone I don't think can manage it the way they do and it's not just a being a, what, what did you call it high sports high performance <laughs> high performance athlete yeah it's not just an athlete it's also mentally you've got to be so strong because it's all a game inside and outside when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you find the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Are you oh, learning yeah. from them? Have you learned anything from them? Yeah, I think I've learned, like, from Carlos I've learned the most, as in how he, how he can turn a bad situation into a positive situation, in just like that. And he knows it. And he's like, when he's in the, in the bad bit, he's like, okay, just leave me, just leave me alone a bit. And then all of a sudden, he'll just be back to his normal, usual, positive. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, if I was you, I would have broken the wall down. I would have just walked out. And he's like, no, you just need to, you know, just calm down. Not everything's also always going to be good. You just need to take the positives, do what you can do, and carry on. And I'm like, okay. And the more you think about it, then I say, okay, next time I'm in, a, in something bad happens to me, let me try and think that way. Because I'm, I'm like... The first thing that comes to me is angry and I'm like, just like, I, I explode, no? And he, he showed me that it doesn't have to be like that. You just have to like, the count to 10 thing, which I'm really bad at. But all this, all this mental games that really, really help you. So yeah, in that way I've learned. I still need yeah. to learn a lot though, because I'm not, I'm not good at that. <laughs> it's funny you should mention Carlos actually, because one thing I've learned from him is how incredibly calm he can be. And that's similar to what you're saying. Yeah. I posted a photo recently of when we went to his grandstand in Spain. Oh, yeah, so And yeah. We, we were, you know, surrounded by all his fans who were very excited, very happy, you know, to see him and very close. And he's completely calm. There's no panic. There's no feeling the emotion around him and making him bubble, you know, yeah. because I pick up everyone else's feelings i'm like oh my god this is very exciting and say hello and they all want to yeah yeah and complete calm i'm sure if we had you know a a heart monitor on him whilst we did that his heartbeat would have been completely normal and that to me that is fascinating yeah 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 yeah. that's such a good point thank you for mentioning that i think that's really good (laughs) have you got have you got something that you're proudest of having done so far personally getting to where once was a dream then became reality. I'm I'm proud of finally fighting for it, going for it and getting it, working in F1. And then more recently with press play, because I was a bit, not frightened, but it was a big jump what I wanted to do of leave F1, leave what I'd been fighting for my whole life and start something completely new from zero, not knowing if it would work or not knowing what would happen. But after two years, I think, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with my choice. I'm happy with uh, creating what I've created. I know I still can do a lot more. But right now, yeah, I'm I'm happy. And it's like something I've created on my own, which I can say, oh, this is, this is mine and this is really mine. So, yeah, I think these two things for now, for now, let's see. <laughs> What was the um what was the biggest challenge to stopping what you were doing and creating this brand new company sort of stepping into the unknown was it actually stepping into the unknown or had you prepared that you, so much that you felt actually you, you knew what the next step was you were okay It was stepping into the unknown if you think about just working it was just going to be me I was leaving a whole group of people I was leaving a team I was leaving being part of F1 as you know it like 100% being part of a team so that was the unknown of course I had prepared about for it because I'd been the last two years in the team thinking about it seeing what could be done what would work what couldn't work being in a team that gives you that helps you a lot because you can really see straight away what what can be done what can't be done what would work Uh, you can speak to people you can sort of say look I'm thinking of this what do you think so in that way, that, I wasn't scared about that because I knew that there was the space for it. But what scared me was the jumping into a black hole and not knowing like the finance, the, if there was going to be an income. Because, yeah, you can speak to people and they can say, oh, wow, that's a great idea. I'm sure, I'm sure it will work. But from there to actually doing something together and making it work and getting paid, 
it's two different things. Like I can say to you, oh, yeah, 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 go, go for it, go for it, do it. But then how do you know that on the day that we really need to work together, it will happen? So I've always had those questions in the back of my mind. But then I said to myself, if you don't do it, if you don't try, I'll always have these questions. It was a moment when Carlos was leaving Toroso. There were two new drivers coming into Toroso, so it meant starting again from, from scratch with two new drivers. So it was just the moment was also right. So I yeah. said, okay, let's try, let's do it, let's let's go for it. And thankfully for now, it's working out well. <laughs> was there anybody that was particularly, gave you some particularly good advice or told you something that actually you've carried with you ever since, whether it was encouragement or whether it was um, some mentoring, you know, that helped you and actually still helps you now? Personally, it was my boyfriend who also works in F1. So he was the one pushing me also saying, if you don't try now, you'll never know. And like, like, don't think that we're not supporting you. You'll always have support from that. Like personally, that helped me a lot because it's good to know that at home, <laughs> they understand yeah. what you want to do. But then outside, there were like people in other teams, like for you, for example, Sophie from Williams, um, Fabiana from Toro. So just loads of people that were saying like, it, it can work. We can make it work. We can work together. Don't worry. We'll be here. Then of course Fabiana was like, "Are you sure? Are you sure? You don't don't leave, don't leave, stay stay another year type of thing." Which, <laughs> which <laughs> I wanted to do both. If I could have done like I would have done like I stay, but I go. I don't no, everyone everyone since day one one understood the reasons why, understood also that it was a good idea. That why not? And then yeah, Fabi from Toroso is always like a bit of a mum for me. So. She knew that she had to like sort of let me go to try it out, but she was like, "You know that if it doesn't work, you can always come back." Okay, <laughs> so that's oh. nice also to know, you know, yeah. that you can always make a mistake, but at least you know that if it does go wrong, there's people that still care for you. They can be your your safety net, your your support network, definitely. Do you feel stress in the work that you do? And if you do, how do you cope with it? And if you don't, please tell me because. Um, <laughs> coming to join you tomorrow <laughs> no yeah of course I stress and more someone like me who thinks about things a lot and like if I don't have things clear in my head I do worry like just by nature I just worry until I have it sorted so yeah of course I I, I, don't, I don't know if I call it stress but a bit of a worry it's always in my back of, on the back of my head also because it, it depends only 100% on me to do something or not do something like at the beginning as I now work from home it was very easy to just the alarm went off and just say oh I'll just sleep another half an hour you know there's no one saying okay you need to get up now you need to do this now you know so the first months were, were a bit difficult on that side because I was very like if I don't have a, a someone telling me what to do I can get very lazy so the solution to that was like getting up at a certain time, at the same time each day, doing a sort of schedule and following it to start with. But then worrying also, like, each month you have to do something. You're not going to get paid, but you know, out of the blue. The lucky thing was, like, with Race of Champions that we agreed, like, to sign yearly contracts. That's given me, like, a base. So the worry of, like, not sleeping at night because you don't think you're going to get any income at the end of the month, that disappeared, which also helps because you don't need to worry oh my god if I don't do anything you know that that would be horrible that would be like would put too much pressure on me to yeah. do anything right you know to so thanks to that it gives me a bit of freedom to then look for new things and yeah I, I stress but I think it's normal anyone stresses in any job because you want to do the right things you want to do everything right you want to improve you want to keep on growing but I think I've learned to put it to the back of my head, you know, following the yeah. Carlos, the Carlos idea of, <laughs> and and live with it. And yeah, every now and then you always have a bad day where you think, oh my god, what am I doing? But then the next day it's all gone because something comes up, and yeah, you just keep working with the positives, as Carlos would say. <laughs> He's gonna be so chuffed that we keep talking about him. <laughs> How do you switch off? You mentioned that you're working from home when you're not at races, you you know, you're based at home. Does that make it more difficult to switch off at the end of the day or at weekends? Do you want to just jump on whatever it is that you have? Or if you have an idea straight away, you know, do you want to share it with everyone straight away? And then also how do you relax again? Because it's like that same environment, isn't it? So how do you how do you create your boundaries? 
Yeah, at the beginning it was much more difficult than now. Now I think I'm used to it and it's not so... At the beginning, the first six months, like the not going to work, like you're already at home. And then when you finish work, you're already home. And me knowing how I am, that I love to I love to move, I love to go places, I love to be here, there. And it was a bit difficult understanding what was happening. But now, now yeah, I I really enjoy it because I separate. When I'm at work, I close myself in the office because before I used to do a bit of work in the lounge. Then I used to go to the kitchen. Then I go here. Then pause because I don't know. And and even when like they knock on the door when there's a delivery, if I'm working and the door's closed, it's like if I wasn't at home. So that's helped me like separate. Work is work, and then when I'm out of this room, I'm like at home. And then yeah, my free time. Well, now I do a lot more things. Like I play, I do tennis lessons. I've joined a football five-a-side team. Uh, what else? I try and cook more, which is something that before I did not do not, not yeah i saw the paella yes oh my god i'm getting good it was even nice it would taste oh my god it was lovely and then oh yeah and then another thing that we've never been able to have but now that we travel less uh, is a hedgehog pet i've always wanted a pet so now we've got this hedgehog <laughs> which as i'm at home and i don't go to all so many races we can have and he's so much fun <laughs> Uh, and he has his own, his own Instagram account. Yes, yes he does. He does. <laughs> no, yeah, because I enjoy, I enjoy doing these silly photos. And then I look at them and I say, okay, I'm not going to post them on my personal account because people don't really care about hedgehogs. Okay, maybe one or two do. So then I thought, what's the best way to even like keeping them to go back? You know, I don't want them all on my phone. So once I upload them on Instagram, then I can like. <laughs> you mentioned social media, which I also wanted to ask you about because. I find you're in a funny situation. You have a huge following on Twitter. You've got a big following on Instagram. You also have, you know, your special hedgehog follower, <laughs> hedgehog Instagram account. But also the work that you do is actually genuinely designed to go on teams and drivers' social media accounts. So how do you how do you feel about social media and how do you relate to it, the good bits and the bad bits? Yeah, no, I, I love social media. Like I think it's the best invention ever since day one like it's helped me so much even before being in motorsport like what we were saying at the beginning it helped me contact so many people I even got an interview online interview with Barrichello thanks to Twitter wow uh, yeah, yeah yeah I used to contact so many drivers and like after going to the Bridgestone weekend I used to contact all the drivers on Twitter say oh hello it's me remember me type thing so it helped no for me from that side, it's really helped me. And then even when when I joined Hispania, when social media wasn't a big thing, and Hispania didn't have their own Twitter account, I, I had my personal one. So that's why I think I've got such a big number of followers on Twitter, because all F1 that wanted to follow Hispania racing a new team would follow me, because there was nothing else to follow. And I would do like a track walk, and I would post photos. I would post photos of the drivers as a personal account. But I think people just followed it because it was the only way to like get updates from that team. So for me, no, social media is a great way for fans to get involved, to to see a, a world. Like I would have loved social media back in the time when I used to go to, to the track and to try and get in and see what was going on. It's been great. But now, like what you're saying now, I create content for for social media, for teams and drivers. But the thing is, I don't use it on my personal account I've got a press play account but I don't like I don't use I use bits and and you know cut bits out that but I don't really use the whole content that I create for video uh, for teams and drivers once it's done it's their property because you create content that then goes on social media do you find that actually you research social media a lot in terms of what can be done there in terms of what's popular or do you have an idea first and then it could work anywhere it just that it happens to end up on social media when I'm thinking of something or I want an idea I don't like going on social media because I think it makes me go one way or another I don't like finding something and thinking oh I could do this but then it's like copying and I don't so I try to avoid all that I do it the other way around I think of something and then once it's accepted or once I know I'm going to do it, I'll go on social media just to see what other things are being done. But I never go on social media with the like, idea, let's see what I could do. Because I think it, it conditions you to, to do something you've seen in a different way, which for me is still copying, if you see what I mean. Yeah, of course, yeah. You want to avoid seeing something 
So I try to avoid that when I when I'm when I'm thinking of of ideas. I prefer to just do my silly brainstorming and I don't know, just walk around and <laughs> looking out the window. Around. Yeah. My yeah. favorite thing for coming up with ideas is just just finding a bit of blue sky and looking at the looking at is the window. Is it really? Mine is yeah. playing stupid games. So like I've got a basketball, a mini basketball um thing in my in the office and I've got like like you know, do you remember the selfie, the grid selfie we did in Australia with yeah. a big, with a big kangaroo? Yes. So I've got him always with me in the room. <laughs> so he's and, your ideas partner. Yeah, I always look at him because he sits right in front of me. The other one is uh, having a, a hot shower. The amount of ideas I've had when I'm having a hot shower. Or running, running. I hate running. So and when I listen to music, all I think of is when will it? When will I stop? When will I stop? So running, I try and think of ideas, but That's it doesn't good. work. That's too much time for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, if I'm running, that means I'm in survival mode. So, uh, <laughs> I can't have an idea. We've talked a lot about the work that you've done and the path that you've taken. But what about somebody on the outside who's actually looking at you now for inspiration on, on their career and what they'd like to do? What would you tell them? See, I get this question a lot on social media. I get quite a few messages of people asking what to study or what should I do or where should I go or... And my answer, I don't know if it's what I should answer because, like, when I, I've got a younger sister, 10 years younger sister. No, so she's um, 10 years younger than me. Yeah. And, like, I always used to tell her, who cares about what you study or how much you study? You just need to know people. And my mum would get really angry when, <laughs> when I used to say this to her. But, but that's what I think it really is. It's who you know and you need to just, in a word like motorsport, what you need to do is just keep in touch with people, try and talk to real people. You can study as much as you want, but I don't think it's not about the studying in something like motorsport. I mean, in in our world, I'm of course an engineer, a mechanic, of course you've got to study. But in our world, once you've got the basics, I think it's more about trying to get to know people, get into that world physically, go and meet people, speak to people, email people, contact people, say let them know what you want, that you want to work in this world. Show them what you can do. Go up with ideas. Like for when I got the Catron job, I went to the Catron people with a like a booklet that I had printed with all my ideas that could be done as a PR of our team. I think you've got to be a bit different. You've got to, It's a world where you've got to just show, wow, she really wants it. Wow, she really knows what she's talking about. Okay, yeah, you're young, no experience, whatever. But if you want it and you know the people and they know you, you've got much bigger chance, I think, of getting into to working where you want to be. Well, that's just my opinion. Oh, it's all right. It's good advice. There'll be what lots about... of mums saying now, oh, what are you saying? You should study. Well, you can do both. You know what? You can, uh, you can study as far as you are able to study and then cultivate lots of contacts at the same time. Okay, that's the good way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not my way. Not, yeah, not my way. When I saw the door was open, I ran, I ran into it and left the studying aside. I know, sorry. Sorry, mom. What about, let's flip it. What about advice that someone else has given you? Did someone tell you to cultivate contacts? Did someone? Yeah, well, not maybe not in those words, but um, to keep fighting for it to keep talking to people and one day they will come for you yeah she's still in f1 she's now in ferrari it's uh she used to be in mclaren at the time sylvia so yeah she was she was the first one and i've always had that in my mind in the end in the end it will happen in the end it will happen they will come for you you know what i mean just talk to people be there show your interest so that's why i think i repeat that all the time because it's what really gave me more motivation to fight for it I never knew yeah. that that's Didn't amazing you? no I love that so much <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. but that's happened so many times it's almost like I don't know I feel like we cheer each other on because I spoke to Sophie from Williams and her person that did that for her was Anne at Bradshaw oh really oh and it's you know it's that thing of we just cheer each other on we just bring each other up and it, it literally makes me tingle it yeah, makes me yeah. so happy I love it they're lovely stories my very very last question already in the end yeah, I'm enjoying no. it. I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you've been amazing what are you looking forward to what's next in your career or in how you want to do things what's next what's next is doing what I call more big stories more like ideas from zero 
to actually making them happen, but bigger, bigger stories like the videos has to, I don't know, to make not not a f- bigger films, but just the ideas need to be a bit bigger uh, because at the beginning I was scared of using time. I know teams don't have time, drivers don't have time, but I think I've shown enough people that what I do now can still be done in little time and still be of good quality. So I think I can come up with uh, maybe a bit big ideas and still get accepted because that was my first like worry. Let's do little ideas that then maybe get a yes easier than a big idea. So yeah, my next thing should be hopefully bigger ideas and then yeah, growing personally, doing more things, getting more recognition generally from the motorsport world. Would you ever look to grow the company in terms of the number of people that work there? I know many people are saying that I should, but I have no idea. Like, I don't know. It's something that I see is so new to me that first I'd have to understand what I need. But yeah, like lots of the times being two or even three on a race weekend would be so much easier because I run like working for one team is okay. But when you add a second, oh my God, I start to get not nervous, but I start to think, oh my God, I hope everything works out well. And when three, sometimes some weekends has been three different teams. Oh my God, that that is just, I mean, it works well because in the end it all, like a jigsaw fits. fits in together. But like I lose three kilos, I run so much during my weekend. <laughs> so imagine having like another person that you split it and you say, you, you there, I do this. So yeah, it would help me a lot. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank no you for problem. taking the time to do this. It was fun. Thank you. Oh, a huge thank you to Tabitha for chatting to us this week. I love listening to her story and she speaks so well. She's got an amazing accent. If you'd like to check her out on Instagram, it's at Tabitha Vols. Her company is Press Play Productions PPP and her hedgehog, it's Piede the Hedgehog. Definitely check that one out. So, so, so cute. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe at your local podcast platform and definitely leave us a review. It helps other people find us, but it also means so much and I'll be reading all of them. You can also get in touch directly if you'd like via my Instagram account, which is Pandea, P-A-N-D-E-A. Thanks very much for listening and speak to you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.